Luke chapter number 22. It's great to be back with church family this evening. Appreciate everybody's uh, prayers and condolences, cards, meals, uh, all the above. It uh, certainly was uh, a big encouragement to our family. Um, I don't know who I was talking to, but... uh, You know, your church family is is your is your family, right? And so the last couple of weeks, we you know certainly have felt the support and the prayers. Uh, but to be you know physically with you all this this uh, evening, worshiping together, uh, is special for me uh, on this day. You know, after losing my dad, um, to have an opportunity to preach a standalone communion service. In, in the wake of uh, death is uh, very much helpful. Uh, you could call it therapeutic healing uh, for, for just spiritually uh, my heart to remember the hope that we have in Christ. And so um, this evening, I've entitled uh, the message simply Remembering the Lord. Remembering the Lord, roughly about once a quarter, we have a standalone communion service, and we do that intentionally and purposefully uh, for us to draw our attention solely on nothing else but Christ. And I pray that our service is always that, whether it's communion or not, that He is glorified and magnified, that we see Christ in Scripture, we see Him lifted up in our worship and in, in our song. Um, but specifically, there's, there's something God-honoring in obeying Scripture through this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we know that uh, per our Constitution, per the Word of God, uh, the Lord's Supper is one of two ordinances that we observe and practice, uh, that other being baptism. And we are so thankful for the Lord's Supper, for this time of communion. The Lord has given it to us uh, for very specific reasons, and we want to focus in on uh, some very important aspects concerning uh, the Lord's Supper this this evening. But before we do, would you join me uh, in prayer this evening? Father God, we just lift up uh, this service to you. We thank you for just the uh, rich songs that have been sung, the truths that have been working in our heart and our mind even as we approach this time of preaching. I pray that you would gather our thoughts, that you would gather our emotions, and you would cause us to to look up to a cross and see a Savior there bleeding and shedding His blood for our sake, for our sins. I pray this evening that we would peer into a tomb and we would observe that it is empty and our hearts would be hopeful and glad because of that empty tomb, we're reminded that Jesus has defeated sin. He's defeated death. He's defeated hell. And we, lowly sinners, can be made right 
before a holy God because of the good and gracious Savior. I pray this evening that we would be overwhelmed with the riches that have been shown towards us in Christ. That we would be recalibrated back to a place of remembrance. And as we remember, I pray their hearts would be changed to be more like that Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the body of Christ. Even as my family has gone through a time of loss, I'm reminded of the goodness and the grace that you have shown towards us in the church to weather life's trials and difficulties and losses and to celebrate the successes and joys of life, whatever season, Father, you may be bringing us to, you have given us the church to walk with us through it and in it. Father, even this evening, as many families are providentially hindered by way of travels or um, other responsibilities this evening, I pray that we would be glad that you have given us the church and we would glory in the work that you're doing right here at Liberty Hills Bible Church. I pray that we would go away encouraged, we would go away strengthened this evening and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter number 22 gives an account of Christ instituting this supper with his disciples for the first time. At this point in Christ's ministry, the disciples are still very much misdirected on their expectations of what Christ has come to accomplish, which we'll see some of that unfold in, in our text this evening. Some of you may remember a number of years ago, it's hard to believe as we worked through the Gospel of John, how often the disciples were just uh, misdirected or misunderstanding the person and work of Jesus in regards to why he came, right? They had their own desires for Jesus. They had their own purposes that they were hopeful that he would fulfill. Ultimately, their heart was set on physical deliverance from a oppressive Roman Empire, but yet Christ at that point had not come to free them physically. He had come to free them spiritually. He had come to give them freedom, not just of this life here on this earth that is temporal and fleeting, that is but a vapor that vanishes away as we recently have learned in the book of James, but rather he had come to give them freedom eternally, to give them life for the one to come. So Christ in his earthly ministry was giving them a glimpse of this eternal kingdom, heaven, eternal life. And that life was going to be at the expense of his own. They ultimately, the disciples would lose their Savior this side of eternity, but ultimately all of the relationship that they would gain in the life to come. As through this Savior, Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, 
he would make a way for those sinful disciples then and us as sinful disciples now to be made right have that relationship that was broken by sin to be restored with God the Father. And oh, what a glorious day that truly was. You see, throughout the earthly ministry of Christ, Jesus met his disciples despite their missed expectations. He met them right where they were at. He patiently and lovingly taught, walked beside, loved and lived with these men, and he reminded them often simply of God's truth. Although they wouldn't connect all this all the dots, he certainly pointed them over and over to his purposes for coming. That's what we see here in Luke chapter number 22. Christ in this upper room discourse, taking an opportunity to sit, to recline to share this meal with his disciples disciples, and to recalibrate their hearts and their minds back to his purposes, back to his will, back to his mission and not their own. So let's pick up in Luke chapter number 22. Let's read a few verses and get a little bit of context here as we work through this passage as a springboard. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture this evening in this standalone communion service, as we remember the Lord in this time of communion, we're going to be looking at different aspects of communion, and we're going to be looking at uh, a number of scriptures. So keep your fingers ready to go, whether it be your thumbs on your phone or whether it be turning pages in your Bible. Uh, stay active, stay engaged with me as we just, we just glory in the richness of Christ in Scripture. As we remember the Lord this evening, Luke chapter number 22, it says this in verse number 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Here's the key three words here before I suffer. Jesus is, is laying it out to his disciples. My time is, is short. The end is drawing near, and I have this earnest desire to sit and recline with you, to share this meal together before I suffer. Let's see if the disciples pick up on those three words at all as we continue to read on. It says in verse number 16, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. But when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. The Son of Man goes as it has been determined. 
determined, but woe to the man, that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be? Who's going to do this? Verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Remembering the Lord seems like a very good and easy thing to do, does it not? Do this in remembrance of me. You think as Christians, as disciples, as followers of Christ, we would be continually in a state of remembering the one who has ushered us out of darkness into light. You think it would be easy for us as followers of Christ to remember the adoption that has been provided to us, that we've been chosen before the foundation of the world, that he's given us works beforehand that we should walk in them. You think this would be easy as waking up in the morning, but oh, how difficult remembering the Lord truly is. It's sad, but yet a reality that we are still reeling with the difficulty and the struggle and the battle of our flesh, the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Spiritual warfare is waging around us, but yet we often forget. We don't do this in remembrance of the Lord. We forget the goodness of God in our salvation. And so this Lord's Supper, this time of communion that Christ had with his disciples that he instituted right here in Luke chapter number 22 was a time for the Lord to hit a strategic timeout and to draw the disciples in to a time of relational and spiritual communion so that they would remember the Lord. This brings us to our big idea of this evening's sermon. It's this, the Lord's Supper was given to us for the purpose of remembering Jesus and recalibrating our hearts back to his mission. The Lord's Supper was given to us for the purpose of remembering Jesus and recalibrating our hearts back to his mission. So why? Why would the Lord be so concerned about his disciples here in Luke chapter number 22, remembering the one who is right there sitting with them? Well, there's verse 24. Again, it reminds us of the feebleness of our flesh. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. You remember those three words that Christ spoke to them back up in verse number 14? Before I suffer. Here, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the man who has called them out as disciples, the, the one who has done signs, miracles, and wonders, who, who has healed the sick, who has displayed power over nature, the one who has taught as no other has, has ever taught before, this one has said, hey, I desire to be with you earnestly before I suffer. My time is drawing to a close. And what are his disciples concerned about? Who's going to be the greatest? 
The Lord was so concerned about his disciples remembering because, again, we are so prone in our feeble human minds, we are so prone to not remembering, but rather we're prone to forget. My wife often gives me a hard time. We've joked over the years in our almost 15 years of marriage that I have the memory of a goldfish, <laughs> right? It's like a goldfish going around the tank. It's, you know, new every, every lap that he goes around, <laughs> new scenery, never seen it before. Uh, the, the memory of a goldfish. I have a hard time remembering anything. Uh, oftentimes when we'll share maybe an evening together watching a movie or something of that nature, and my wife will recommend a movie. She says, we've seen this movie before, but maybe we can watch it again. I say, I have never seen that movie before. I have no idea what you're talking about. But the reality is I have seen it, and I just my memory is horrible. So it's maybe good for me from an entertainment perspective, but it's not good for me from a spiritual perspective. The cares of this world, just think about our schedules. In our American culture that we live in, how fast-paced we live, going from one appointment to the next, shuttling our kids to activity after activity, going here, going there. We never stop and live in the reality of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And the times that we do are far too few. So we're prone to forgetting. We forget. Verse number 15. Before I suffer, you forget about the Lord. We forget about his life, his work, his mission. We forget about his glory that should be displayed in our life. We forget about his grace, his mercy. We forget about his long-suffering friends. The reality of it is, is that we simply forget. And so it's in the Lord's Supper, in this ordinance of communion that the Lord tells us to do these very specific things for the purpose of remembering the Lord. So friends, I ask us as a point of application this evening, as you came to church, as you have so many songs of worship, as you had a time of worship through uh, confession and prayer, I wonder, is, have you remembered the Lord? Is your heart awakened to these, re these beautiful realities of, of who Christ is? Is well, this evening our hope is that we can help in that and remember who the Lord is and what He has done for us. So it's here that the Lord instituted this ordinance not as a means of, of earning more favor, He didn't give us this time of communion as some feather in our cap or something to boast about that hey, now I, I've taken communion. As if it's something to check off in our list of accomplishments in our Christian life. We don't come to the Lord so that we can partake in these elements of communion. We don't glory in the exercise in and of itself, but it's remembering what it represents. It represents a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is obedient to the Father came and gave of himself willingly, took on flesh, lived a perfect life, and shed 
his blood for us. And without that sacrifice, friends, we are still in our sin. We are without hope if Christ does not come and give of himself. We are lost if Christ does not go to the grave and defeat sin, death, and hell and arise again on the third day. But he did. And so we remember. We lean into this opportunity and we remember the Lord. Lord, help us to remember should be our prayer as we come to this communion table. The Lord gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us how we, like his 12 disciples, are so quick to turn our gaze away from the Lord, to look past his words before I suffer, to focus on ourselves. Do you remember the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? The verses reads, O to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Every fourth Sabbath that we Observe, it's an opportunity for us to do just that, to remember how our heart is prone to wander, to recalibrate it back to the foot of the cross and to look into an empty tomb and to remember the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. So today, we remember. We are gathered this evening simply to remember the Lord in the time of communion. So that said, I want to draw our attention just quickly to four aspects that we should remember concerning the Lord as we come to a time of communion. These these are topical and uh, these are just aspects as I was reflecting on over the last couple weeks and um, just the difficulty of losing my dad uh, coming to a time of communion and remembering the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. These are the things that the Lord brought to mind that I've been able to just soak in over the last few days, and I hope they'll be an encouragement and blessing to you. The first aspect that we should do in remembrance of the Lord is this, that we should remember who the Lord is. We have communion to help us remember who the Lord is. We need to remember first that Jesus is God. We see this so beautifully articulated in Hebrews chapter number one. The author of that book in verses one through four states, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having 
become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Friends, as we come to communion, we remember that what Jesus did matters because he is God. He is God. And because he is God, he alone was able to take on the sins of the world. And so we remember that Jesus is God this evening. We also remember that Jesus is the way. Do you remember John 14, verse number six? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you remember Colossians chapter number one, verses 15 through 20? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the only way that peace can be ours. You'll remember as we work through James that we were once enemies of God without Christ. But yet Jesus has reconciled that conflict. He has made wartime peace between God and sinful man through Jesus Christ. This is the reconciliation that Jesus has brought our way. So Jesus is God. Jesus is the way. These are the aspects of remembering who the Lord is. This is his person, his nature. This is who God is. And when we come to communion and we do this in remembrance of me, as Jesus said, our hearts, our minds should recall the character of God, the person and the work of Jesus in creation, his greatness, his preeminence. Salvation. Second aspect of remembering the Lord that I want to draw our attention to is that we should remember what the Lord has done. Communion should draw us to a state of remembering what the Lord has done, not only who he is, but what he has done. First John chapter number two speaks of this word propitiation. This is a, a big theological term with a very simple meaning. It refers to the turning away of the wrath of God as the just judgment of our sin by God's own provision of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So this is the appeasement or Jesus pacifying God's wrath that was should have been directed towards us because of our rebellion, because of our, our sin. Because of our turning away. 
Jesus stands in the gap and he is our propitiation. He is the satisfaction of God's wrath. Jesus did this. He appeased God's wrath. He took it on himself and only Jesus could have done this. Do you remember the song that we sing, Jesus drank that bitter cup? God's just wrath was reserved for me, but God, Jesus Christ, took that on himself. Friends, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, and tonight we should remember that Jesus is our propitiation. 1 John 2, 1-2, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus made a way for our relationship with God the Father to be restored. What sin had broken, Jesus made new. And we remember Hebrews chapter number 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by what? The blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is Jesus Christ who has made a way, who has restored our relationship, who has become our propitiation, who has satisfied God's wrath. Jesus Christ has done this. And so we remember it. Not only do we remember who he is and what he has done, but we should remember what the Lord has provided. As Pastor David mentioned in uh, leading us through a time of worship, Jesus adopted us into his family. Jesus adopted us into his family. Ephesians chapter number one. You'll remember us preaching through this probably a number of years ago again. Just seems like yesterday we worked through this stuff. But uh, man, Ephesians 1 is so rich. An extended passage to reflect on. Let the word of God linger in your hearts. Hear these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as 
sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained what? An inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So much that could be broken down in that passage, but we've been chosen. We have an inheritance. We've been adopted. We are heirs with Christ. We are now called his sons and daughters. This is what has been provided for us through Jesus Christ. And so we remember. Not only have we been adopted, but he has also secondly made us alive. Second chapter of Ephesians. And you were dead, verse one. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses in sins, in sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse four, but God, this is what he's provided. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're seated with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the heavenly places. Friends, this is what's been provided. This is unmerited. This is beautiful. This is glorious. This is unthinkable. God has done this. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, I show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ.
Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Fourth and final aspect of remembering the Lord in communion is this. We should remember what the Lord has called us to. We should remember what the Lord has called us to. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. This is why we have been saved. For God's glory. How is God's glory magnified in this earth when His disciples are heralding from the rooftops that Jesus saves? This is the good news that He has called us to, to be disciples and to go and share this with a world that desperately needs it. So Jesus, Jesus, excuse me, has called us to go into the world. Friends, let us be clear. Jesus did not save us to hide from the world. Jesus did not save us to create a subculture of Christianity within the world. Jesus saved us to be in the world. Certainly not up, but to be in it. So friends, when we remember Jesus in a time of communion, we should remember what Jesus has called us to as disciples. Who are we loving? Who are we reaching? Who are we praying for? Whose life are we gripped with that God has laid on our heart that we cannot sleep, that we wrestle and we toil and we struggle. We pour ourselves out for their behalf so that they could know the truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus has called us to, to go into the world and to love and to live in a way that bring glory to him. Jesus, secondly, has called us to love each other. You remember Ephesians chapter number four? Both of these two texts, Matthew 28 and Ephesians 4, the proof text for our mission statement of Liberty Hills Bible Church. We exist to make mature followers of Christ to the glory of God. This is where we anchor the truth of that purpose statement. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16 and he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be 
grandchildren, tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. Jesus has called us to love each other. Here it is. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him, that is Christ, who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. That's us. That's you. That's me. This is every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body, the church, grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love. Jesus Christ has called us to be unified, to engage in each other's lives in our time of need. Friends, I felt that over the last two weeks, and I'm so thankful for it. Over my almost 12 years at Liberty Hills, I can think back of different seasons and different circumstances and situations where I have been built up by the love of the church. This is what Jesus has called us to, to love God and love each other, to go into a world and share the good news that Jesus saved. So this evening, friends, as we reflect maybe not on the technical elements of the Lord's Supper, but rather more on the heart of the Lord's Supper, I wonder, has the Lord reminded you of your need to remember the Lord a bit more in your life? Do you find yourself leaning a bit too much on your own understanding? Have you submitted your life to the Lord's leading? Is He directing your path right now? Like the disciples in the upper room, I wonder, as they're there with Jesus, have you found yourself preoccupied with your own greatness? Building your own kingdom rather than building the kingdom that God has called us to. You found yourself preoccupied with your own desires, your own plans, your own expectations of what it means to follow Jesus. Friends, this evening, as we observe the Lord's table, my prayer is that we truly would remember Jesus. That we would remember the incredible work that he has done on behalf. I pray that as a result of remembering that the Lord of the Lord, that, that he would stir our hearts to engage both with the Lord and with others. That there might be potentially a more meaningful way of engagement in our church, in our communities, a way that would glorify God and spread the good news that Jesus is still, even in our day, right here in 2021, He is still in the business of saving souls and building His church. Do you believe that?
So when Jesus says, take this bread and take this cup and do this in remembrance of me. I wonder, have you remembered the Lord in that way? Has the Lord's Supper become just vain repetition? Something that we do on our schedule as a church? Has it lost its purpose? Has it lost its role? Has it lost its beauty in your life? I wonder, on this evening, during a standalone communion service, I pray that we would remember the Lord in communion, not only now, but in the days ahead, in a way that would honor and glorify. And let's close in a word of prayer as we transition to our time of communion. Father God, I pray right now as a church that we would quiet our hearts and our minds and we would just take a moment right here to remember you. I've certainly said that multiple times this evening, but Father, how often we need to hear it over and over again to remember you. The simple words of the gospel are so true, Father. You must increase. I must decrease. Jesus, I pray that you would have your way and your will in our life. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir us this evening to remember the work that Jesus has done for us, to stir us, to engage in a more meaningful way in the body of Christ, to outdo one another, to stir us up towards love and good works, to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, I pray that as a result of this time of remembering this evening, that we would go and be changed and be different as individuals and together corporately as a church, we would be, we would be changed. So Father, we pray these things in the precious name of Christ.